goodness. Look who's back. It's me. Hi. I said I'd be back, and I'm back. I'm a man of my word, okay? It might have taken me three weeks to... You know, between making the episode where I was like, oh, don't worry, guys, I'm going to do more episodes, yeah? To the seven people that watch my podcast, watch, listen to my podcast, uh, and actually making an episode. So here I am, making an episode. Be grateful. Thanks. So... Uh, we're going to talk about the male gaze today. It's probably a concept that most of you have uh, come into before, especially if you're studying kind of language, literature, arts, um, or if you're just kind of on that side of the internet. I think it's quite a big it's the zeitgeist, I suppose. So let's get talking about the male gaze. Hmm? If I am being very prejudiced in saying you probably have heard of this concept, let me give you a quick rundown. I mean, if you've heard of this concept anyway and you're not entirely sure about it, I think it's worth us all being on the same page in the first place. So when you kind of look for the male gaze, there are definitely two elements to it, I should say, that are kind of foundational to what it means. So let's get started with the first one. Now, this says that in feminist theory... The male gaze is the act of depicting women and the world in the visual arts and in literature from a masculine heterosexual perspective that presents and represents women as sexual objects for the pleasure of the heterosexual male viewer. So this is what I mean by there is a first and a second definition. Uh, And this for me is the first definition, the idea that women are presented by men and by women uh, themselves in the creative industry. So in the arts, in humanities and in kind of, I would say anything that requires a representation of someone so you know this is what i say in books and films and arts uh that is where the male gaze lies because it is the idea that women are presented with an assumed viewer being male so when i say that i think something that's kind of affirming to this idea that when we look at a piece of art we can almost always ensure that uh we can almost always see sorry that the person that the artist was intending it for is a is a generally a straight a white and male man a male man believe it or not a mailman a postman guys these are the real presses um anyway so it's the concept that women are depicted in a way that they show that they are appealing to the male gaze literally this is what the male gaze means so the gaze of on art the gaze on literature the gaze in film so when we look at the representations or the presentations of women in films like uh Baywatch for example well that's kind of a bad example because I've not seen Baywatch and also I'm pretty sure the whole film is just like ooga booga look at my boobs and my huge muscles anyway so when you look at films I think it's quite easy to be like okay this is not a realistic representation of a woman because she is this this and this let's take Scott Pilgrim versus the world we talk about the idea of um manic pixie dream girls quite a lot and I love this concept because it is so confusing to me because it's the idea of I'm I'm sure you've all heard of manic pixie dream girls right I don't really know how to define that for you I don't want to have to define that for you I don't want to define it for myself because it will probably ruin a lot of films I think it's this perfect depiction of a woman who is chaotic and not like the other girls is the basic kind of idea she's chaotic she's crazy you know think about Ramona Flowers in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World she's like wild she skateboards whatever the fuck she does roller skates I don't know has colored hair and she's like quiet and quirky and loves fucking music I don't know anyway she's way out of Scott's league Scott Pilgrim's league and we all knew that 
Ramona, if you're hearing this, I will give you the quack quack. Anyway, so this idea that women in media are presented with the intention of appealing to the male eye, because the assumed audience of any kind of arts, any kind of visual media is a man, because the automatic is a man. I don't know if that makes sense. The automatic person. When we talk about men, the the human race, we take the auto... You know, the second sex is woman. The first sex is man. Right? So immediately for art, the artist is not necessarily doing this with a demographic in mind. But automatically, if aliens came down, they'd be like, damn, why have you given this woman such big milky honkers when she's just like a fire... She's a firefighter. Why have you given her big milky mummy honkers? And Da Vinci would have to explain, oh, I mean, men like big mummy milky honkers, right? Some women do too. But you know what I mean? The assumed male heterosexual viewer is the person that's going to be seeing this art. Not the, I don't think Da Vinci ever like specialised in big mummy milkers. And I'm getting off track again. So if we're still taking this first definition of the male gaze in the sense that I mean, I think art, for me, is sort of the pinnacle of where this first definition lies. We're going to talk about John Berger's 1972 book uh, called Ways of Seeing. And if you haven't read this book, oh my god, read it. It's so good. I think I've found it on eBay multiple times for about £2. Every time someone's like, oh yeah, I want to read that, I buy them the book. Buy the book, right now. I can't buy it for all of you, but I will. One day, have a library dedicated... Anyway, fuck, why do I do this? So, the book basically talks about the male gaze quite a lot. It talks about the way art, the way we see things, literally, ways of seeing things. It's about the perspective, the uh, way that we interpret things according to our culture and according to our context. Because, unfortunately, we cannot perceive things without the influence of our culture because we do not live in a vacuum, you know. We cannot see things objectively, ever. And that you know, fucks me up, the idea that things are always things, you know, influenced by other cultural things. So Burgess says, and this is a quote uh, from a really good essay uh, by someone called, I think, Brian Chandler from 2020. Really good, love it. I will leave a link to that actually in the description because it's such a good essay. It's really short. It's literally like a tiny little article page. I love it. Um, so, let me read this to you. Berger insists that women were still depicted in a different way to men because the ideal spectator is always assumed to be male and the image of the woman is designed to flatter him. So when we think about this in the context of art, we think about the way women look out onto the audience in art. You know, take most Renaissance paintings, most Baroque paintings, most headshots, for example, and we see that women are acting to be seen and men are acting to act if that makes sense men in these paintings will be perceived by other men as almost an ideal reflection of themselves and they will be in paintings because of their own power whereas when we look at headshots of women in art we tend to see that they are in art to be perceived they're not in art to do what men are doing which is you know to show off their cavalry to show off the size of their navy they're in art because they are there to be perceived. They are there as an object, in the same way that we might place a candle in a photograph to look nice. Women are not there to act, they are there to be seen. And Berger kind of, uh, sorry, Paul Masares, who also talks about this kind of male gaze, he didn't, he's not involved in the production of um, Ways of Seeing, but I think he did crit- critique it, or talk about it at least. He notes that the female models in most adverts, and this is a modern take, 
that were addressed to women, so female-oriented adverts, treated the lens as a substitute for the eye of an imaginary male onlooker. Uh, And he added that it could be argued that when women look at these adverts, they actually see themselves as a man might see them. Uh, Some of these advertisements appear to imply a male point of view, even though the intended viewer is often a woman. So the women who look at these ads are being invited to identify both with the person being viewed and with an implicit opposite-sex viewer. So women, when we look at these, you know, let's take an advert for Vite or whatever, something to do with something kind of intrinsically female or targeted at women. So leg shaving, you know, nail painting up until now has been, you know, targeted to women, still is targeted to women, whether that's accurately or not. Uh, And we look at these adverts and we see women with already shaved legs, with already perfect skin. They don't need this product, but they've used the product and they're still using the product. You know, think about that. Why the fuck in adverts for shaving your legs, for razors, are the women already shaved? Because it's too gross to not, you know. Imagine, this is such a bad example, but imagine if they showed, like, your shitty poop-caked ass before and after using Andrex, or whatever the fuck it's called, that butthole wipe. What are they called? Toilet paper. You know, the brand. Anyway, I don't know, it's the one with the dog on. They don't do that because it doesn't appeal to the viewer. And in the same way that this leg shaving concept they're showing women pictures of women in a way that asks them to to perceive themselves as a man would perceive them and john burgess says this because women because this is because women are perceived on a way that depends how they are treated so how you are perceived determines how you're going to be treated essentially by the opposite sex and that i would say is because systematically you know say it with me men have a fucking upper hand bloody blah we all know this And this leads me on quite nicely into the second definition of the male gaze and the second, I suppose, application of the male gaze. So just to run you down on this first definition of what I've just said, because I go on tangents. Today, my brain is a little bit like a marshmallow, malleable, and goes off on a tangent quite a lot. So the idea that in art, the viewer is always assumed to be male, even when it's targeted at women, the women are invited to act as though they were men or to view themselves, their own gender, their own sex, as a man would. Now this does, this leads me really nicely into the second definition of the male gaze and it totally links in. Let me read you this excerpt from John Burgess' Ways of Seeing from 1972. You know it's originally a TV series and that's, I haven't seen that yet. When I started watching it I then had a a really bad stomachache and I threw up so I'm scared to start watching it again (laughs) because what if I like remember and I throw up? Anyway, wow. So let me read you this quote. A woman must continually watch herself Whilst she is walking across a room or whilst she is weeping at the death of her father, she can scarcely avoid envisaging herself walking or weeping. From earliest childhood, she has been taught and persuaded to survey herself continually. And so she comes to consider the surveyor and the surveyed within her as the two constituent yet always distinct elements of her identity as a woman. She has to survey everything she is and everything she does because how she appears to men is of crucial importance for what is normally thought of as the success of her life. Her own sense of being in herself is supplanted by a sense of being appreciated as herself by another. So essentially, I think what John Berger is saying, and he does actually say this at another point, the way that women are perceived is determinate of the way they are treated by men. So that quote from the book, I think, is a nice segue into the second concept and I'm sure when I explain it you will see how these two concepts link in the idea that women in art the perceived viewer is always male 
even men in art, the perceived view is always male. And the idea that women constantly look at themselves through an eye that is male. And I'm sorry if this is your first time hearing about this definition of the male gaze, because, oh my god, it is so annoying. And I, I think it must be so confusing as a man. Because I asked my English teacher, I was like, do you not like, do you, are you like seeing yourself right now and being like, do I look hot? Like, do I look hot right now? Like, and I was in class, I was like, because I'm thinking, I'm kind of like surveying myself, like, do I look kind of, do I look weird right now? He was like, no, I'm a like 45 year old fat married man. Like, I do not look at myself and think like, damn, do I look hot? No. So I was like, what the fuck? Like, do, do you, do men, straight men, I might add, I don't know if this is applicable to gay men, actually, or bisexual men, men that want to appear to the male gaze anyway. Sexually, I don't think you appeal. I don't think you try and appeal. I don't think you watch yourself in the same way that women do. Because I can tell you right now, I can see myself, like, this isn't some voodoo shit. Like, every woman, fucking tell me you're not sitting here. Like, maybe you're on a train, maybe you're walking somewhere. Are you not, like, seeing yourself and being like, well, how do I look right now, girlies? Does that not piss you off? Like, I was having a really nice depressive episode yesterday. And I was like, I could, like, I couldn't really bring myself to, like, ugly cry. I was like, no, because I look ugly. And then I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, what is happening? Who, why, who, no one is in the room with me. Why am I like, oh my God, what if I look, oh my God, it's so embarrassing. And it's just surreal. It's like, I go anywhere. I walk to the post box. I'm like, damn, like, am I walking funny? It's not even, am I walking funny? It's like, I can see myself right now doing this thing. Like, I'm constantly within myself adjusting the way I am because of the way I'm going to be perceived through a male lens, through the male gaze. And this is what I mean by the second definition. The first one being about art and the second one being applicable to everyday life as a woman. And I do think this is a unique experience as a woman because, like Burgess says, women have been persuaded and taught to survey themselves as two constituent members of their own body. Constituent meaning, you know, if you are a constituent of Maria Caulfield's constituency, then you live within her MP area. So she lives within... The person that I'm surveying is myself, but I myself am also the person that is surveying myself. So I'm two constituent elements of my own self. I'm two different but simultaneous versions of myself, watching and being watched myself. Now, I absolutely hate this concept, and I... Jesus Christ, I wish... Do you know what? No, I'm glad I learned about it, because it was going to be there anyway. This isn't one of those things where it's like, oh my god, the glass shatters, I'm looking at myself right now. Maybe as a man, you're like, oh, I feel a little bit, like, hyper-self-aware right now, like, oh, I've gone into manual breathing or whatever. But this is constant. Like, this is constant. I think it's one of the funniest things ever when you tell men this, and they're like, what? Like, what the fuck? Like, you look at, you're looking at yourself right now. You're like, what am I doing? And I think unless you're a very narcissistic man, and we will talk about this, we will talk about why I think that is, I don't think you look at yourself in the same way that women look at themselves. On the whole, I just don't think you do. Like, it's not... I don't know if that's just because I'm a woman, I'm being like... "Mm," But I do think it's a completely different experience. And John Burgess says... Um, according to usage and conventions, which are at last being questioned, men act and women appear. Men look at women and women watch themselves being looked at. Um, Burgess talking about European art from the Renaissance period onwards. Women are depicted as being aware of being seen by a male spectator. If you imagine that you yourself are a piece of art, God, so flattering, and now you imagine that you are aware that you are a piece of art and that you are aware that you are therefore being looked at because you're a piece of art, a self-aware piece of art. You're now viewing yourself. You're sympathising to such an extent with the audience or the viewer that you are 
manipulating your own behaviours as to appeal better or to appear more sexy or more interesting to the audience that you assume is there. For women, this audience is male. For men, this audience is male. However, when we think, when I say to you, I don't think men see themselves in the same way, I think they see themselves through a male gaze as well. Because we know that patriarchy does the same thing to women as it does to men in terms of how horrible it is. But it manifests itself completely differently, I would say. So in the sense that women are looking at themselves, manipulating their behaviour to appeal appear more sexy to men, to appear this ideal version, men are also doing that for their peers. Men are not doing this because they're like, oh, I really hope that Brad wants to clap my cheeks, unless, you know, this is what I think is interesting and something I have no idea about. Do gay men appeal to the male gaze in the same way that women do for, the, for sex, sexual appeal? Now, I think men are the biggest straight men, are the biggest culprits of perpetuating the male gaze because they themselves are the male gaze and also the person that's watching themselves through the male gaze. So they themselves are the embodiment of what the man wants to see and therefore they are trying to be what man wants to see. I think that's a very confusing concept and I'm not explaining it very well. But what I'm saying is women are doing this for sexual appeal and men are doing it because they want to appeal like the ideal male in the non-sexy way, I suppose, is the idea that it's toxic masculinity to an extent. Men might watch themselves, but they're not doing it because they're thinking, I really hope that I'm sexually appealing to another man. It's more, I'm watching myself because this is what I should be doing, and I'm a man, and I hope I'm acting in the ways that men should be acting. So I do think, you know, I think I've just come to this conclusion now, I think that men do watch themselves, but not in the same way, and I would not say nearly to the same extent at all. Now, it's all doom and gloom. And it doesn't get better from there. I wish I were able to say, but not anymore. But it it fucking gets worse, okay? So, if you are your own voyeur, you are a woman with a man inside herself, watching a woman, you, you you are yourself watching you as a man. Margaret Atwood, very cheerful woman. Everyone knows that she wrote The Handmaid's, Handmaid's Tale. Don't know why I wanted to say The Handmaid's Tales. Um, so everyone knows that that's an incredibly cheerful and happy book, and if you haven't read that book, don't, because it will put you in a depressive episode. In terms of literature, it's too fucking long, okay? Moby Dick can pull off that kind of length, but not this, Margaret. I love you, but no. Anyway, we're not doing that, we're not critiquing that, and I'm never reading that fucking book again. It was good, but stop it. So, Margaret Atwood actually talks about this kind of resolution to the male gaze, and the way that women have stopped you know tried to stop appealing to the male gaze but you know what men managed to worm themselves into this again and i say men i don't mean men i mean the parasite that is the male gaze that's probably invented by men (coughs) see i'm breaking the male gaze anyway so even margaret margaret atwood why do i want to say margaret thatcher so badly margaret thatcher feminist queen uh so atwood says even pretending you aren't catering to male fantasies is a male fantasy Pretending you are unseen, pretending you have a life of your own, that you can wash your feet and comb your hair, unconscious of the ever-present watching, peering through the keyhole, peering through the keyhole in your own head, if nowhere else. You are a woman with a mad inside... Sorry? A man inside watching a woman. You are your own voyeur. And this comes from the book called uh, The Robber Bride, which I've actually never heard of before, and I don't think it's fiction, but I might be completely wrong. Um, No. It is. It's a. It's um from the Brothers Grimm. So, but it's about. I think it's about women. It might be a critique on it. Um, 
anyway, so the idea, you know, when you watch this film, it's like, oh, I'm not like the other girls. So have you seen Mean Girls 2? If you have, sorry. If you haven't, congratulations. It's fucking awful. Um, well, there's this, the main character who would be Katie. You know, she's, she's this, this is Mean Girls 2, okay? I would never slander Mean Girls 1. But Mean Girls 2 is fucking dog shit. Anyway, so she's like this girl that does like cars and stuff. And that's fine. But it's so catering to the male gaze because it's like she's like this skinny, white, blonde, beautiful, no acne, nothing, flawless, obviously, Hollywood, beautiful American woman who loves, you know, cars and fixing shit with her dad. And she's like poor and she's totally in your league if you're a bit of a neckbeard because she's poor and like likes doing cars and stuff and she's not self-aware in her own beauty. And this itself is a cater to the male gaze. So the idea that women are expected, even in a film so demographically targeted at women, it's it's fucking targeting men. Even for 13-year-old girls, they are seeing this girl through the eye of a man. Yeah? That fucks me up. I don't get it. I hate it. I hate Hollywood. I hate Disney for all of this. Um, And it is their fault, because they've perpetuated this, and it's our fault for not seeing it and not being like, well, I'm not watching WandaVision, because Gal Gadot has her nips out, and that is, you know... Yeah, oh, you get what I mean, okay? It's not about your nips. Get your nips out if you want. But don't do it to cater to the male gaze. Um, but then if you don't get your nips out, because you're aware that you don't want to get your nips out for the male gaze, then you become inadvertently a fantasy of a man who's like, oh, I love a woman wearing natural makeup. Who is actually wearing makeup? No. Men that are like, oh, I love women that don't wear makeup, and then she's actually just wearing makeup that looks like it's just not makeup. Do you know what I mean? This is confusing. So when Atwood is talking about you cannot, and this is what pisses me off, you can't, I don't think, if someone has figured out how to escape the male gaze, please tell me, because even in recording this podcast, even in being loud-mouthed and burping and literally, if I shit myself on this podcast, part of my brain would be like, what would my viewers think of this, what would the men, how would I appear as a woman if I did that on my podcast, so there is a fantasy, there is this woman, and I think most films that depict women that are strong, independent and feminist are a depiction of another male fantasy, another male gaze. This male gaze just doesn't look at women as they should be self-aware in their beauty, but it should be these women should be pretending they don't know how beautiful they are or actually shouldn't know how beautiful they are because then they're in my league and blah 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 They are still their own voyeur. Um, and the start of this quote I really like, and I don't think it necessarily relates to it, but male fantasies, male fantasies, is everything run by male fantasies, up on a pedestal or down on your knees, is all a male fantasy, that you're strong enough to take what they dish out, or else too weak to do anything about it, and it just, what can you do that is not appealing to the male fantasy, when I go to the post box later, when I, when I set, you know, when I post my little Depop parcels in my stupid little clothes, you know, in my grubby, disgusting, sweat-drenched... There's probably piss and shit on these clothes. Hmm? That was a joke. Yeah, okay. I don't piss and shit in my clothes. I might be British, but I'm not that bad. Um, I'm still going to look at myself and be like, what the hell? Do I look hot right now? And that freaks me out. How do I get rid of this? And just so you know, this for, this this concept was actually coined by a woman called Laura Mulvey, who was talking about the first male gaze that we talked about in terms of... Um, art, you know, we perceive women, actually she was a film scholar, I believe, she was talking about how um, women in film are always presented in a way that is appealing to men, because men are the automatic consumer of everything, even when we are directing this to some woman, everything that's marketed to women is for the appeal of men, 
everything. Think about it. Shaving your legs. Clothes. Sunglasses. Anything that is exclusively marketed to women. Femininity is a product of what men want women to be like. There is nothing feminine or womanly that is not something the men approve of, if that makes sense. Everything that's feminine. Femininity is not having hairy armpits. It's not being loud and rude and swearing and spitting in men's faces. That's not feminine. That's unfeminine. So for me, this is why I kind of did that whole thing where I was like, oh, I don't really fuck with, like, being a woman. But I also don't fuck with being a man. Like, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to be anything. Can I just be short, you know, instead of choosing a gender or whatever? Because even being a woman, being a female, or not being a female, choosing not to be female, all of this is just an act because it's appealing to the male gaze. And it freaks me out. And I would like to know, I would genuinely like to know if men... How do you watch yourselves? How do you see yourself? Because I know there is... I know that we all kind of look at ourselves and sort of self-survey. We sort of self-survey ourselves in terms of, oh, I wonder how my hair looks around. Do I look a bit silly? Have I got something stuck between my teeth? Bloody blah, blah. You know, but not in the same way. Not when you're on your own. I think that's the difference. When you're in public, when you're walking somewhere, fair enough. You know, me talking about going to the post box in these ugly trousers or whatever. Fair enough. Because if I'm seen by someone, it's like, oh my God, they've actually perceived me. But constantly, even when I'm asleep, like, well, not when I'm asleep, but when I'm falling asleep, I'm like, how do I look right now? Like, I'm so cosy. Do I look cute? Do I look cosy right now? Do I look fun and cosy? You know, I hate it. I hate it so much. I hope this doesn't leave you totally hopeless. I feel a little bit hopeless. Normally, I like to end my episodes on a high note, but no, if I'm going to be sad, let's make it everyone's problem, okay? Um, I don't understand how to escape. I don't know how to subvert the male gaze. I think probably the best way to get power and stop performing (laughs) because it's so ingrained even at 18 it's so ingrained I can't imagine what it's like being 45 when I'm 45 what if I've never unlearned this you know what if I'm a 45 year old woman still performing for the male audience that isn't there literally is not there it's sad it freaks me out it's like I'm not really living for myself you know if I'm living for this the man, how do I kill the little man in my head, you know, um, in the least psycho way of saying that, how do I kill the man in my head, you know, very dramatic, um, yeah, I hope you're depressed as well now, look, I just think we all need to be aware of this, and I think the best way to combat it is by looking at these films, whenever you watch a film, think, how's this woman presented, and it's quite, it makes you a really pissed off person, And if you ever wonder why I just snap at men so easily, it's because I'm tired of explaining the same shit to them again and again. Or explaining it to myself again and again in my own head, because I've thought about it so much. And I just come to dead ends, and we go around in loops and loops, like, okay, so we have the male gaze, okay, I'm self-aware of the male gaze, oops, now I'm appealing to another male gaze, where the man's fantasy is me being aware of his presence, and not liking it, and it just feels very rapey, and I don't like it. It's like, get out of my little, get out of my head, mate piss off it's a very interesting concept though I think in literature it's very it's absolutely prevalent it's amazing in art I'm now I don't know if I could bring myself after doing this to go to the Tate again and look at art and um see things through a woman's eye because what is it how do I see things how can I see art through my own eye if I'm seeing myself through my little man's eyes 
That makes me sound like such a nutter, doesn't it? But God, I'm sorry for you. I'm glad. God, I hope you don't understand this. Hope none of this makes sense, and I hope you have no little person watching you all the time, and you're not performing like a little zoo monkey constantly for the male audience that isn't there. But if you are, I'm sorry. And let's kill the male gaze. Let's kill the little men in our heads. Woo!